4 to 5. So that way you can follow along. I'm just going to use Ephesians 5.1 to use it as a springboard to get into our text. So just turn into that. All right, bells and chimes. I feel like I'm in heaven. I don't know if there's chimes or that in heaven, but whatever. All right, let's pray. Abba Father, thank you so much uh, that we as your children, we get to call you Abba. Our heavenly Father that is in heaven, that loves us, that you got a plan for our lives. Not to bring us down, but just to encourage us and build us up in the faith as we study your word. So I pray by the person of your precious Holy Spirit that you will meet us here in this place. That you will use this time studying your word, Lord God, for you to deal with uh, issues within our lives as we are sinners. And we desperately need a touch from you. So we be able to finish this race and to finish it well. So I pray even for Isel and Pastor Ras, I pray that you will continue to be with our sister Isel. Uh, just heal her, Lord. Restore her. Uh, just give her peace in her heart. Encourage her continence, Lord God. And be with Pastor Ras as he takes care of his wife, the wife of his youth, Lord. And for Pastor Zach and Amanda, that they're out of town, may they get refreshed and renewed as they receive the manna that comes from heaven in, in the pastor's conference, Lord God. And when he comes back, may he refresh us as a result of the work that you have done in them, Lord. So thank you so much, Lord God, for such a crowd and uh, witnesses uh, of brotherhoods, Lord, I pray that we will just continue to grow in your ways all the days of our lives, that we will be more and more Christ-alike and uh, just use our lives, Lord, to bring glory and honor and dominion and power to your holy name. So bless this time of Bible study. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. Ephesians 1, uh, 5-1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And every time in the Bible when we have a therefore, we have to go back to listen to what came so we can stay within uh, the continents of the word. So let's go back to Ephesians 4, 17, so we can pick it up there. And we can see what Paul is trying to relate to us right now today. So Ephesians 4, 17, and it starts and it says, This day, therefore... I testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in their fluidity <clears throat> and you is uselessness of mind, having their understanding darkened, but be alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the hardness of their hearts, who being past feelings have given themselves over lewdness, means vulgarity, being nasty, to work all uncleanness and greediness. So that's a mouthful there. But uh, Paul starts writing this section of the scriptures by saying one thing, that we have to testify of the Lord. And when it comes to testify, we have a testimony. And that's unique to each one of us. Each testimony is unique the same way as our fingerprints are unique in us. And God has started a good work. God is telling a story to this world of the work that he has done in your life. He has done miracles. He has done wonders. 
He has done amazing things as he has called you as children. And God is the one that is writing this poem, this beautiful story that we get to testify to people that don't know Jesus, that Jesus is alive and well because he transformed our lives from being broken vessels to being people that had uselessness, then we had destroyed our lives. Now the Lord has been able to put us together in such a way that now we got a God story flowing from our lives. So what is your story? Are you willing to tell people about the goodness of God and the mighty works of God that he has done in your life? Are you willing to do that? A lot of Christians, what happens is they don't share their testimony enough. And to share the testimony is a great way to break the ice with people that don't know Jesus because they can never argue or say this is not true of the thing that God has done in your life. So we have to be open books for Jesus Christ when it comes to the story that we have to tell them about the supernatural works of God that have been done in our lives. And that as God has begun this work, what day was the day that you gave your heart to Jesus? What day marked that day that your life was completely transformed and you have never been the same after that? All of us have that day. And then from that day that we should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles have walked. In what? In the uselessness of our minds in having their understanding darkness and being separated, alienated from the life of God. So the question is this, are you, have you made a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ in such a way that you say, I'm never going back there. It's done. Now from now, for me to live is Jesus Christ. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain, like Paul said. We have to make a stand. We cannot, as Christians, continue to live a worldly life. In, as Christians, a lot of times there is a lot of worldliness in our lives, and that doesn't mix well with godliness. Godliness and worldliness don't mix. So we have to separate ourselves as the Lord has sanctified us, has set us apart for a special use for his kingdom. We can no longer be walking and doing the things that we did when we were in the world. And we did it, I did it in ignorance. I didn't know any better. I didn't know about the plan of salvation. I didn't know about the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't know the plan that God had for my life. So I did all those crazy things that I did in ignorance and in unbelief. I didn't know any better. But God, who is rich in mercy, is the one that changed a person. People try to change people. It cannot be done. Only God can change and redeem a person that was broken into something beautiful and something amazing. Only God can do that. In our understandings about godliness, it was dark. We, our understanding was darkness. So we were people that were walking in darkness before the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord was the one that clicked in the light and illuminated us. And it brought us to life. Are we going to continue to walk the same way we did when, we're, than when we were unbelievers? Certainly not. The Holy Spirit is the one that as we, the day that we gave the Lord to the our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came inside of us to help us 
to equip us to prepare to be peoples that are overcomers, people that get it done. Because we cannot do this by ourselves. We cannot do this in our flesh. We desperately need the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us and help us to overcome this world and all the challenges and the difficulties of this world. It can only be by the Holy Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, he starts mapping out our lives. He starts bringing conviction in our hearts in areas that we're messing up. We mess up. But the Holy Spirit is that alarm that turns up and says, you should not do that. And it's the Holy Spirit. It's not people. When I got saved, people didn't have to come to me to tell me everything that I was doing wrong and how I needed to change. It was the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit moving and acting in my life, the one that changed my life. We are people that are stubborn, we are rebellious, we're hard-headed. That's the way it is. That's our human nature. So God wants to have a breakthrough. He wants us to submit to the things of the Spirit. He wants us to come and be Christ-like. He wants us to be imitators of Jesus Christ. And we desperately need God to come and help us. As we wrestle and we struggle going through life, God wants to give us victory over this world. God wants to take us to a place that we have victory in Jesus Christ. Because God did it. And a lot of people, they just find themselves broken brokenhearted, with no hope, and, and, and they reject the Lord Jesus Christ. They're bankrupt physically and spiritually. Verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, for indeed you have learned him and have been taught by him as the truth in Jesus, that, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and being renewed in the spirit of mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. As God gives us this testimony, he puts to death the old self, and he's going to do a fresh and new work in us. For many years, I worked in construction, and I worked in both phases of construction, the faith of remodeling and the faith of new construction. New construction is when a person at a very young age gives their heart to Jesus and they say, I don't have a testimony because I have walked with the Lord Jesus Christ all my life. i known Jesus all my life. And that's the best testimony of all. That's the testimony that many people want to have. That's the new construction. That what happens with remodeling there needs to be a teardown. You need to destroy that old work before you can start building up. And for a lot of us, that's us here. The Lord had to tear down all the gunk, all the junk, all the stuff that we did as non-believers now to build us up in the faith that we have put in Jesus Christ. New work, new person. So he has put on the new man, which was created according to God, for true and righteousness and holiness. That's the hand of God. Only God can do that. And the Lord Jesus Christ, as he gave us his word, 
His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. If you don't study God's word, you're not studying the manual for humanity, how to live a righteous and holy life before the creator of all things. We have to know the word because the word, as we study the word, the word helps us to make decisions to navigate through life. And so many Christians, as the word is critical to us, the Christians don't read the word. The Christians don't study the Bible. The Christians don't come and get into the word daily, daily, daily. It has to be. As in the old days, the Israelis had to go into the wilderness to pick up the manna that came from heaven to bring nourishment to their bodies. So the word of God is nourishment for our spirit and our souls. Are you studying God's word? Do you love the word of God? It says in verse 25, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you uh, speak truth with his neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Put away lying. For us as Christians, we have to just put away lying from our lives. And a lot of times Christians struggle with lying. And, and what are you teaching as a parent when your kid sees you lying as a Christian? You're bringing a bad report to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you bring confusion. And our, as, a, as people of God, all we have to do is let our yes be yes and our no's be no. We don't have to swear by anything under heaven or on earth. Because if you used to always telling the truth, then, you know, it's right there. There is no question about it. But a lot of questions they come up with and just, it's a little white lie. Lie is lie. There is no color. Lying is colorblind. There is no color. A lie is a lie is a lie. So, and the worst thing is having here in the body of Jesus Christ have a Christian tell son, another Christian a lie. You shoot him a whopper. And that Christian receives the whopper. And then when they're going to eat the whopper, the whopper is raw. Because you gave him something that it wasn't the truth. So just when people find out that we've been lying... Our credibility goes out the door. Our integrity, our character, everything is washed down. Because then they can't trust you. You can't be trusted. Because they don't know if you're telling the truth or you're lying. So we have to have our conduct in such a way that we shoot people straight. And sometimes because of fear insecurities or whatever, we're willing to compromise on our integrity and just tell lies. Speak the truth to with his neighbors. We should be speaking the truth to everyone. And be angry and do not sin. Do not let the, go, the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place for the devil. And to be angry... That hit me on the back of the head like a, like a two by four. You know, it's like the Lord, when I'm preparing this Bible study, he, he beats me up first. I take a beating because I have to stand here and examine myself, you know, before I teach. So the Lord just already hit me with a couple of two by fours on the back of the head. I'm bruised up, but I struggle with anger. I struggle with anger, but I'm transparent about it. So that way, if I lose my cool, hey, Jose, what's up with that? You can bring me to accountability. But I realize that I have that struggle, and I'm willing to confess it. Because the Lord knows everything anyway. The Lord knows everything under the sun. So what are we going to hide from God? 
What are we going to hide from each other? But a lot of times it's people do not want to be vulnerable to one another, so they hold back. So, and, and to lose that self-control, to get angry. They, it, for us to be angry and lose our top and lose our cool and, and just say a bunch of things that we cannot take back, it doesn't bring the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're acting like the enemy. We're not acting Christ-like. We're acting like Satan because Satan is the father of lies. So when we're lying, when we find ourselves in line, we're acting like the enemy. Christian, we should not allow one hint for the enemy to rip us off of the joy that he wants to set before us as Christians. We have to find and be in the full counsel of God for our lives in such a way so we can glorify him with our conduct, our behavior, and the way we act. Verse 28. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hand in what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. And let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth, but what is good and necessary for the edification that it may be imparted by grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of, of, of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. But, check this out, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be poured away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God forgave you. So we as Christians, not here in the church, not here in, in, in the church, everybody's holy. Everybody, they, they come very linguistic. Oh, praise you, Lord. How are you? I bless you. No, I'm bl more blessed than you. And, and then everybody here, the way they, they talk, it's just like there is a change. But what I'm talking about here is outside here, outside the church, in your home, with your family. How do you talk? How do you act? At the workplace, you know, let our conduct be one of role models for the Lord Jesus Christ wherever we're at. And, and it starts with, let him who stole steal no longer. As a Christian, you can't be a kleptomaniac and love Jesus. There's no way. It doesn't work. A lot of people say, hey, Jose, what you talking about, Willis? You know, uh, here, you know, uh, what are you talking about me stealing? Okay, I'm going to bring it down to earth. To this planet, in a way you guys can hear. At work, you agree to work for wages, right? Nobody works for free. Anybody works for free? Oh, some people work for free, so then this doesn't apply to you. But the people that are getting paid, if you're getting paid to do a job, and now you find yourself in the phone texting and talking, doing working hours, what are you doing? You're stealing time from your employer. If you go on social media and you're in Facebook, in, in the Tweety Bird, and then you're being an instant oatmeal uh, with Instagram, if you're doing all that stuff at the workplace, you're ripping off your employer because he's paying you to do a job. He's not paying you to do your own thing. So then what happens? Is your employer going to be pleased and you're going to be a testimony unto him as a Christian? Well, he's going to say, I don't want these Christians here. They're slackers. They, you know, they spend the whole time. Or if you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ during working hours, dude, spend five, well, it can't be five bucks anymore for lunch. It's like more like 20 bucks. And take that person out to lunch and just preach the gospel at lunch or after work, not during working hours. Because that's stealing. And let him labor. 
Today, people don't want to work. They think they're entitled. They think that they earn it or they deserve it. If your conduct is one, a well-disciplined person that works hard, everything else will be added unto you because your boss is going to notice that you are a hardworking person and he's going to reward you. But a lot of times in our minds, we think we're entitled, that we deserve it, so we're always murmuring and complaining. And that brings a bad report to the Lord Jesus Christ, our behavior and the way we act at work. Let no corrupt, uh, let no uh, corrupt word come out of your mouth. And what is good for necessary or edification that the uh, grace might be imparted to the hearers. So what are we known for from the words of our mouth? How do we act? What's our attitude as we go through life as Christians? Do we live a life that we're defeated? Do we live a life that is always poor me and, and just murmuring and complaining and gossiping and acting in a behavior that is contrary to edification and building up to be Christ-like? As Christians, we have to be people that encourage and build up people. The people around us like to be around us because when they live, when we live them, they say, man, just this person just cranked me up and now it made my walk with the Lord that I want to do it even. I want to run harder. I want to be more diligent to the things of God because you edify and you build them up. But if you complain, and you're always complaining, and you're murmuring and bickering. People are not going to want to be around you because you drag them down. You bring them down, and nobody wants to be dragged down. And when you put yourself that you are the center of the universe, and you only care about yourself, and you don't care about others, that's not being Christ-like because Jesus Christ came to this world to serve, not to be served. And if we want to be Christ-like, we have to be people that are others-minded. Hey, Jose, you don't understand. I don't do well with people. I'm, you know, I just get phobias and stuff. Dude, let go and go for it. Come on. You know, the, the thing is, the fear is the one that stops us from doing the work of God. So be a vessel of edification. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, it says, I'm going to read it for you for the sake of time. And whatever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and, and that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. And do not uh, forgive, if you do not forgive, neither does your Father in heaven is going to forgive you. So when it comes to bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking, put that away from you. We cannot, we cannot live a godly life with unforgiveness in our hearts. It's not going to happen. Because if we hold stuff against people and we're not willing to confront them and talk to them and be free, the one that is in bondage is you. It's not the other person. If somebody's backstabbed you, if somebody did something wrong, if somebody told you something that you don't like, call them out. And let your conversation be seasoned with love. And just deal with the issues, whatever the issue is. But a lot of Christians, what they do, they take the easy road. They take the road that is not godly. And what's that road? Somebody did something to me. I'm going to go ahead and tell the world about it. And, not, and it doesn't get dealt with. And you hold bitterness and resentment in your heart for the rest of your life. Let me tell you something, Christian. 
You cannot drive a car effectively going 100 miles per hour and reverse. Living on the past. The past is gone. Today, start moving and driving forward. Driving forward, if they give me a chance and the cops let me go, I can drive the car about 55 miles per hour. <laughs> so we can drive this car fast for Jesus when we leave all that junk behind and we address it and we deal with the issues and move away from bitterness in our hearts, from resentment, from unforgiveness, because then our prayers are going to be hindered. If we're not willing to forgive each other, then the Lord is not going to receive our prayers. So I had to. I've been betrayed. I've been thrown under the double dutch bus going down the street. Not a single bus, but a double dutch bus. Like one of those European buses. <laughs> that it looks like a candy cane, a big red candy cane. And it's not only they ran me down, they did a reverse and they went back and forth a couple of times to make sure that they messed me up bad. But I had to get along with Jesus, wrestle with God Almighty in such a way that I could have forgiveness in my heart for them. And to be able to overcome and continue to live my life as a vessel of honor in the house of God, I had to put away these things that brought me down. Now, getting to verse 1. That was just the introduction. <laughs> okay, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God, dear children. We imitate God because we want to be uh, just like Jesus Christ. Whatever he did, we do. Whatever we look up to him as our role model then a role model is somebody that is really important in our lives. You don't pick a loser to be your role model. You say, I want to be a loser like this guy. Nobody wants to do that. Usually you want somebody that has accomplished something, somebody that is just has done something special. You want to be like them. But unfortunately for me, in this world, there's no role models. The day I got saved, I made Jesus Christ my role model. I don't follow man, but I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not there to please man, but I'm there to please the Lord Jesus Christ. So he is my role model. And I want to imitate him in everything that he has done. I want to follow after him. I want to be just like him. In 1 Peter 1.15 it says, but... As he who has called you to be holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. As, and as if you call on the Father without partiality, who judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your staying here with fear. If the Lord Jesus is holy, then my conduct should be one to try to live my life holy before him. I want to please him. I want my heavenly papa to be proud of me with my conduct. And then when people look at me, that I'm there to serve and love the Lord Jesus Christ, the people say, hey, this guy... Jesus Christ, he's in love with Jesus Christ. And they call you names. But yeah, I've been called other names. Curita, you know, not curitas, the ones that you put on, but, you know, they're, they're a priest. They call me reverend. They call me a lot of stuff. The holy man, you know, whatever. You call me whatever you want. But what is the Lord Jesus Christ calling me? That's what I'm concerned. So... Long ago, my son was five, six years old. I don't remember exactly. So we gave him a little lawnmower for Christmas. And this little lawnmower, 
uh, is one that when you drove it, it threw bubbles. It, it was a bubble-making lawnmower. So then in my house, I don't know how it goes down in your home. In my house, it's uh, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, everybody's up. In my house, 8 o'clock, let's get to work. So it was morning day, Saturday morning. Let's take care of the house, cleaning and all that stuff. So every Saturday morning, I would go and do the lawn. So I find myself mowing. When I turn around to turn back, I see my son with his little lawnmower coming behind me throwing bubbles. It was a spectacle to the neighborhood. But, you know, he wanted to be just like me. And isn't it so that we as Christians want to be like our heavenly father? We want a role model after him. As we read the word of God and every attribute of God, we want those attributes to be true in my life. Am I perfect? No, I'm not perfect. But I'm not where I used to be. You know, I'm not there, but the Lord is still, you know, just working and taking all the gunk and stuff out of my life. And the Lord Jesus Christ, because I want to be just like him, he is one that is going to finish that work. Verse 2, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling aroma. In the book of Ephesians, you're going to hear over and over and over and over again. To walk, to walk, to walk. It's not actually the walking, but it's the conduct and the behavior as Christians. I forgot to tell you guys a story because I got so cranked up to start this thing, so... My daughter and my wife, we were divorced, and my wife was praying for me, and they were doing their divorce. And my daughter, uh, just being five, six years old, she prayed a simple prayer. Lord, please have my dad read the Bible. What? A pagan pig reading the Bible? So that day, that same night, I found it that I went and got a Bible and started reading it. And I just did the Russian roulette kind of thing. And I started reading the book of Ephesians. Because the book of Ephesians, you know, I love that book. Because the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters, it talks about doctrine. And to have solid doctrine in our Christian walk with God. But the second three chapters, it does something. It's everyday practical stuff as Christians that we can do those things to be able to take us through life. So I loved that book. And then when I got saved months after that, after that prayer from my daughter, I got saved. I gave my heart to the Lord. August 2nd, 1992, my life was never the same. Then from there on, uh, I went to church. The first service, it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I will never forget that. They had a guest speaker. So I came back for the following week when the senior pastor was there, just like, Zach is not here, I'm here, and then Zach is coming. So he's going to deliver the package and the goods. But what happened is that pastor, he started going through the book of Ephesians the first time I stepped in that church with a senior pastor. So the book of Ephesians has been instrumental in my life and in my walk with the Lord. That's why I wanted to share this. So with that said... That was a side road, but to walk in love. In order for us to be called Christians, we have to walk in love. Because the greatest commandment that Jesus left us with is to love God with all your mind, with all your heart, and with your, all your soul. And the second one is like it. To love your brethren, your brother, your sisters with the same kind of love. So love has to be an element that is springing forth from our lives as Christians. We have to show love because love covers a multitude of sin. 
Love is the one that just draws us close to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we should love one another. The question is here, have you loved even your own family? If people look around, all the people that are, you know, it's okay to turn your neck. It's, you know, it's nothing weird about it, you know, whatever. You know, oh, I'm not going to tell them what are they going to say about me. <laughs> but this is the people that you're going to spend heaven with. This is the people that you're going to spend eternity with it, with them. How come we don't start, you know, loving each other here in this planet? How come there is no love for other people? How come there's so difficult for us to love other people? And for us to come along other people, there are believers, they're part of the family. We're going to be marked and we're going to be judged not on how much scripture we remember. If we remember a lot of scripture and we know the Bible inside out, no. The Lord is going to judge us by how much love is flowing from our hearts. That's how we're going to be judged as Christians. And, and look what it says in Proverbs 18.24. A man has to be friendly. A man has friends. But he himself be friendly. But there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So here, as the family of God, we have to stick together. There has to be love flowing from our lives. And sometimes even within the family of God, we have a more intimate, more uh, close relationship with the brotherhood in the church than our own family members. My brother lives in California. I get to see him maybe once every three, five years. I don't see him all the time. So here I come to the Wednesday service. Here I come to the Sunday service. Here I come to the young adults Monday night. I was Friday night bringing my granddaughter to, to the, so I'm here. And I'm around you guys all the time. So I get to do life with you guys constantly. And, and you guys are very close to me. So then we have to have this relationship for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. And it says in the second part that this is this offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet smelling aroma. When we have this love for each other, this rises up to God as a pleasing aroma, as a great fragrance. The question is, are you willing to love each other? Are you willing to put down those walls? In verse 29, in Exodus 29, verse 18, it says, And you should burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. So back in the Old Testament, there had to be an animal sacrifice for atonement of sins. And every time somebody sinned, they had to give an animal, they had to barbecue that animal. And that barbecue, the Lord digged it up. It says, mmm, that's a sweet-smelling aroma. I don't know if they put vegetables in the fire, too, to barbecue them, but I'll tell you something. When you put the vegetables in the fire, that aroma doesn't rise up. So we have to be, we have to be the fragrance to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. The sweet-smelling aroma. 2 Corinthians 2.15, it says, for we, are God's, uh, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, an aroma leading to life. So, when we come alongside of each other and we have this koinonia, this fellowship, and we 
uh, just engage into the things of God and we have conversation. This is the aroma that leads to everlasting life in Christ Jesus. But those people that we have come and we preach the gospel and we pleaded with them and we asked of them the plan of God for their life and they rejected, then we become to them the smell, the fragrance of death because they're going to have everlasting damnation because they choose not to follow and walk with the Lord. So to one we get to be the fragrance of Jesus Christ leading to everlasting life. But there's a lot of people in your life, friends and family, that says, I don't want, I don't care about the things of God, I don't care about that. Then you're going to become the, the fragrance of death. Verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, it is not even uh, be named among you. Uh, it is fitting for the saints. So when it comes to now our behavior and our conduct before the Lord, says fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness, that was the old man. That was of the past. It should not be named among you. But here in the church, there is a lot of people that have engaged in fornication, adultery. There is a lot of people that right now, they're into pornography. There is into a whole bunch of detestable things. And you think God is not watching and you think God doesn't know? You're not fooling anybody. You're trying to deceive yourself because it says that that should not even be named among you. And I know right now that many of you are struggling with this. Love is about giving. True love is about giving. It's sacrificial. Lust is about receiving. It's about getting. Because then lust is about satisfying self and doesn't care about anybody else. Who they destroy, who they kill, who they do, the things that they do. It doesn't matter. Because when you go and engage in a lustful relationship... Get ready because you're going to eat dirt. God has called us to sexual purity, whether you're single or whether you're married. Anything outside of that is an abomination to God because it's not God's design. And a lot of people say uh, the world tries to candy coat this thing and says, no, it's an affair. No, it's, it's just, you know, we're making love. You're not making love. You're destroying your life. You're destroying your life because there's going to be consequences down the future that you cannot bear. And that's on you. Because you made a choice to live that kind of lifestyle. It wasn't God's plan. And then people come, God, why have you allowed these things? He gave you the way. He gave you the truth. And he gave you the life. And you made your choices. And the thing is, you have to learn to take ownership when I wasn't walking with the Lord, I took ownership. I know I was going straight to hell. I knew that. And I will tell people, I know where I'm going. I'm going to hell. I didn't try to candy coat that because I knew where I was going. I knew that I was living a life outside the plan of God. I knew that Jesus was not part of the equation. But a lot of people, they want to live a worldly life and they think they're going to heaven. Those people that practice those things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's what the Bible says. So you make your choice. Fornication, pornirma, is a broad word describing sexual sin. Also, in all sexual outside of marriage, male and female, and just this world has gone crazy. So now there's a whole bunch of other stuff that I'm not even going to mention. But that's not God's plan. Uncleanness. 
Another broad word for dirty moral behavior. Just sexual perversion. In today's world, there's a lot of sexual perversion. And people, they're biting. Covetousness is wanting something that doesn't belong to you. It's somebody else's. And here he's talking about somebody else's spouse, somebody else's daughter, somebody else's son, somebody else's family member. That's what he's talking about in his idolatry. Because you make that thing more important than the personal internet relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In today's society, as you open the door and you go out, sexual Perversion is going to be in your face, in billboards, in advertisement, in movies. The movies that, that do better are rated R movies, that they have to put some sex. They do better. Why? Because people want to see that. So the way that this world is gone when it comes to sexual perversion is out the door, and it's affecting the church, and it's affecting your walk. And it's affecting your life. Verse 4. Neither filthiness or foolish talks nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. But for this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater... Covetous man, which is an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So filthiness, sexual filthiness is just uh, happening. Ungodly people doing ungodly acts is just everywhere. The foolish talk, the conversations that we have. Do you come and have conversations with other people about sexual matters with, you know, just this kind of talk that is not fitting? You know, you should have your conversation when somebody comes and is willing to bring you down with this kind of talk. You tell them, hey, dude, check this out. I'm not going to hear that. I work with people, and I deal with a lot of people, and constantly people come to me in my business that they want to tell me, hey, have you heard this? And I tell them, it's a dirty. I don't care. I don't care what you're going to say. I don't care what you think about me. It's a dirty. I don't want to hear it. My wife is not going to appreciate it. My kids is not going to appreciate it. And God is not going to appreciate it. So if you're willing to tell me a joke that is clean, I'm down. I laugh, even though I don't look at it. But I laugh. I like to laugh. Coarse jesting. Sexual jokes. They, they talk around the cooler between the boys. They're idiots. <laughs> Double-minded double gesturing. You gesture something that you have, you know, something else in mind. That's coarse gesturing. That's like a rust, like a file. You got different grid file. It's like a very rough file, just filing away your soul. Don't have anything to do with it. All right. The way we talk, the way we talk in our conversations. I had to learn to talk again when I got saved. I got saved. Everything I said was the F word. So now nobody had to come. I didn't have to go into counseling. I didn't have to have a meeting with a pastor to teach me how to talk. The Holy Spirit said, don't talk like that. The next day, I said, what do I say? I don't know. <laughs> so I had to, it was the Holy Spirit that brought conviction in my heart that I shouldn't be talking like that anymore. I, I got a lot of friends that are, you know, just friends from the past that they come to my house. At first, they threw a couple of F-bombs there while dinner. And I, 
just looked at them. The next time they came to the house, they threw a couple of whoppers there and they said, oh, forgive me, Jose. I didn't have to tell them that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. This is a tough one here. The people around you, the people around your life, are you making a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ in such a way that even when it comes to family members, friends, people at work, people in school, um, they're not going to come with just their behavior and the way that they live to li their lives to affect my life. I tell them, if you want to play tennis, you come to my side of the court. I'm not going to go to your side of the court. So I call, when I got saved, I call all my friends and I told them, Jose is dead. I told them that for them to know that I was a different person. I made a stand. So for them not to come <coughs> and try to take me, hey, let's go hang out this, let's do that, because I wasn't going to have none of it. So it's not because I didn't love them, because it wasn't beneficial for me to continue to do life alongside of them. And all you guys, there's people around you, family members, friends, co-workers and stuff, that they bring you down in your walk with Jesus. And you know who they are, but you're not willing to make a stand in your house with your family for the Lord. So are you allow different people, even at work or in the house, you allow those people to change the environment of your home. Why is that? Some people, you know, even family members I address, I say, hey, don't bring booze to my house anymore. Don't bring alcohol to my house. I'm done. So if you want, we have everything to drink. So I told them, and I'm not going to go to your parties where everybody's drunk in your house because I cannot go to his house. That's his domain. But my house is my domain. So I told him, I cannot go to your house because when you're with all your friends and they're all drunk and, you know, there's drinking, I never had a problem with alcohol. And a lot of Christians say, oh, no, it's okay to have, you know, alcohol. For me, I got saved, no alcohol whatsoever. It doesn't bring any benefits to drink alcohol. So then I told the family member, hey, check this out. Not going to be able to do that. Because what happens if one of those drunkards, one of those friends of his, decides to make a pass to my wife? Here you go. How about if that drunk decides to lay hands on my wife and touch her? He's going down. <laughs> then I put myself in a bad situation. I put myself in a situation that my testimony might be blemished when I lay hands on somebody. So it was my call. It was my situation. So you have to make wise choices with people around you. If they bring you down, hey, I'm not going to your zip code anymore. I moved to this zip code. If you want, come to my zip code. Here, Calvary Chapel, Miami, 120th and 2nd Street. Come and check it out. I did that. But a lot of times we're fearful. We're anemic and we're afraid to make a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that the fragrance of Jesus Christ? Is that the light that we're supposed to shine forth? Verse 8, and I'm going to close it up. I have five more pages, but I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> Verse 8, 
For you were once darkness, not walking in darkness. You were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. That transformation. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So once we were darkness, we were in a dark place. But now we got saved, we are children of the light. So let the shine of Jesus Christ shine to this world. You are the light of the world. You're the salt of this planet. Be salt. Salt and light affect wherever they're at. You get this room, you turn off all the little lights, and I strike a match here, you will be able to see that match all over this room. A little match. A lot of people say, but Jose, you don't understand my workplace. It's very dark. I say, perfect. Because that way you can be a bright light in your workplace. I don't want to be, you know, around Christians all the time. I want to be around pagan pigs too. So I can preach and be light. And we have to find out what's acceptable to God. For our lives, our lives, our lives is supposed to be to the world the fragrance of life. And this is the will of, of, this is the will of God for our lives, our sanctification. God wants us to be sanctified, set apart, because he has a special purpose for our lives. The question is this. In a room this size, not all you guys are walking with Jesus. Not all you guys are all in when it comes to the things of God. Not all you guys are shining bright for Jesus. Some people, they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the fact. All of us have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. Number one. All of us. Every single one of us. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That if you confess with your mouth. The Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. That God has raised them from the dead, you will be saved. If we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, not some, all unrighteousness. And Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one can go to heaven except to the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven is not open. Not everybody is a child of God. Only those people that have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is going to be the ones that is going to inherit everlasting life with him. And those people that keep practicing sin, oh no, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. But I continue to do sin. I continue to, you know, shack up with people. I continue to rip off. I continue to lie. I continue to practice all these things. It says in Revelations 21a, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven if you continue to practice this thing. So you have to make a choice. Heaven or hell. The Lord Jesus is a gentle. The Lord Jesus doesn't push himself into your life. In Revelation uh, 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him 
and he with me. Jesus wants to dine with you. Jesus wants to be a part of your life. Jesus is madly in love with you. Are you going to open the doors of your heart and confess him as king, as Lord of your life? And I guarantee you one thing. If you do that 100%, your life will never be the same. Because you're going to have purpose in life. You're going to have this guarantee of heaven. You're going to have all the promises of God that are true and amen. And you're going to be able to live a life for him on this side of eternity. You're going to be a vessel of honor in his house. Are you willing to make the stand for Jesus today? And some of you guys have been off. Some of you guys are prodigals. And some of you guys have ate all the garbage of this world. And you have drank from all the toilets of this world. Come home to Jesus. Worship team, I ask you to come forth. And as the worship team comes, this is, you have to make your own decision. Are you going to say, Jesus, I need a fresh start. Jesus, if you have never given your heart to Jesus, say, today is the day of salvation. Right now is the right time. And it says that the angels of heaven, they're going to have a party when one person surrenders their heart to Jesus. Is that you here today? There's going to be pastors here as the team lead us in worship. If you need to come up and pray and repent and get things settled and get things right, get it done. Because Jesus Christ is with open arms waiting for you to come to him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the sweet plan of salvation. Thank you so much, Lord God, that even though we make a mess of our lives, your grace and mercy is endless. And the love that you have for us is unceasing, Lord. So I pray, Lord God, as you move in the power, in the hearts of people, by the power of your precious Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord God, that you would draw people to you. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, bring conviction in areas that need to be settled. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will call and those that need to get right. So thank you so much, Lord, for the plan that you got for our lives. A plan not to harm us, not to mess us up, but a plan to have victory in this world and to live a life fully submitted to your will for our lives. So, Lord Jesus, have your way in us. In Jesus' name. God's people said, if you need prayer, just come on up. If you need to get right and give your heart to Jesus, come on up. God is in the business of making all things new. All things. God bless you.